We're going to jump into God's Word. We're headed over to Mark chapter 12. Amen. You're right. But uh, on the talk sheet, there's, uh, at the very top, there's a sentence. And that's a pretty probing sentence, right? It's a, it's a sentence that simply says, what do people think about you when they think about you? What do, what do you think people think about you when they think about you? In other words, what are some of the, the voices? Or what are some of your friends? What are some of the people around you say about you when they think about you? Do they think about how popular you are? Do they think about how athletic you are? Do they think about, oh, he rocks cool kicks. Like, man, he's got a good shoe game. Or do they talk about your beauty? Or do they talk about how you, the makeup of your, like how you do your makeup? Ladies, I know that's important. Like, you know, do you use the right moisturizers, you know, and all those things. I'm raising two girls. I got it, right? I know. But what do people think about when they think about you? And I'm going to challenge you with one. Would one of the words that they would describe of you be godly? Would they simply say, man, that guy, Steve, I don't know, there's something different about him, but I think he loves Jesus. He talks about him. He goes to church all the time. He's constantly inviting me to come. Maybe they know that about you. Maybe they've come over to your house and Maybe they saw a Jesus sign in your home, you know, or a cross sitting in your bedroom or whatever, and they thought, okay, I wonder if, you know, Christian is a Christian, you know. Uh, I think he is. He's got a cross on the, on the wall of his bedroom. Can one of the words that best describes you when your friends think about you is, are you a godly person? Do you love Jesus? And I'm going to sum it up into one big, huge, mega question for all of us. Is Jesus a big deal to you? Is he a big deal to you? And how you answer that question and how you dive into even thinking about this passage of Scripture, we're going to unload in just a second. When you think about that question, is he? If he's not, then I pray that the words of Scripture and the encouragement that I have for you will maybe flip the script. Instead of making life all about you, what would it look like for you to make it all about Him? Instead of making a name for yourself so that you're so well-known and you're so popular, maybe you would begin to flip that script that people would start talking about you as being someone who reflects Christ in all that they do. And I know that some of you have not gotten to that place of complete lordship in your life. And as we have started this series, Only Jesus, we've been asking that question about what does it mean to have the Lord as the complete Lord of your life? What does that look like? And so tonight's big idea fits right in with our series with Only Jesus. And here it is. This is a believer completely surrendered to the lordship of Christ, makes it clear to themselves and to those around them who their allegiance is to. Do I need to read it again? It's up on the screen. But that's where we're going tonight. That's where we're going. Are you a believer 
who has completely surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, that the people around you know whose banner you're waving. has Jesus written all over it. And I'll even go so far, because our culture tells us that that's not cool. I just said an old 80s word, right? Cool. They, they, don't, they don't think it's lit, right? They don't think it's cool that you would wave the banner of Jesus. And I get it. Some of us are, have lost our boldness. Some of us have lost our step and stepping up into the reality that this is who I am, a believer in Christ. And our light in our community and our light amongst our friends is dwindling because we don't have the confidence or we don't have the boldness or we haven't prepared ourselves or we're not in God's word or we're not spending time in prayer. We're not doing those things to keep our relationship with him shining bright for others to see. But someone who has surrendered to the complete lordship of Christ wants everybody to know who Jesus is. And so we dive into a huge truth that Jesus is, he literally is throwing down the gauntlet. A lot of people are questioning him on his theology and does he, who he really is and their identity, his identity and his mission. And then some religious leaders are trying to stump him about heaven. And then a scribe comes in and says, hey, I know the word. I'm going to ask this one question and I know it's going to stump him. But if you know the story of Jesus, very rarely does he ever get stumped, if ever. And he says this phrase that I think a lot of us know. And it's going to lead us into this understanding of what it really means to have the complete lordship of Christ in your life. And so here it is. You ready? Mark chapter 12, and we'll start in verse 28. We'll start in verse 28. It says, one of the scribes came up and heard them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, what commandment is foremost of all? <laughs> there it is. All right, he's trying to stump Jesus. He's like, okay, I got this. All the commandments, there's so many of them. Which one is the best, right? That's what he's asking. And Jesus answered, the foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's a very familiar passage. That's a very familiar opening to the Jewish culture that day. That's the Shema. That's like going way back to Old Testament. That's Jewish culture. Jesus calls that up and is very familiar to those that are listening to him. Hear Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love, here it is, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Boy, you should underline that one in your Bible. That whole verse right there, just underline that whole verse. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. How many of you have heard that verse before? Okay, yes. It's very popular in church, very popular. Love him with everything you have. That's what Jesus is saying. All of your effort, all of your mind, all of your strength, all of your heart, everything to who you are, love him fully. Well, that's a picture of a devoted follower of Christ, isn't it? And that's what Jesus is painting that picture. Yes, he is summing up all the commandments into this. These two things. And here it is. 
to love God and then to love people. Let's keep reading. There are no other commandments greater than these. And the scribe who asked the question said, Haha, well said, teacher. You have truly stated that he is one and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one neighbor as your oneself is much more than any burnt offering and sacrifices. In other words, the scribe got it. The scribe who answered that question to try to stump Jesus got it with his head. He understood it in his mind. But Jesus saw right through it. And this is how Jesus answered. It says, when Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently with his brain, he said to him, now this is where it gets real. Jesus gets real. He says, you are not, not far from the kingdom of God. And then no one dared any longer to question him. That's it. The scribe who had it here, Jesus looked here and he didn't see it. You were, basically Jesus is saying, you were 18 inches away from understanding everything that I had just told you. The scribe knew it in his head, but he hadn't made it to his heart. Y'all, you know this, your heart is gonna take your feet places. Your heart is what drives your passion and drives who you are. And if Jesus is a big deal to you, then it's gonna start in your heart. And I pray that none of us in this room are like that scribe who think they have it all together in their head and we're okay with head knowledge. And we're just content with, okay, I know a couple of verses. I know John 3, 16. I, I, I checked the box to go to church. I pray that none of us are like that scribe that miss it 18 inches. I pray that you begin to open your heart to the reality of who he is who Jesus is. And if Jesus is a big deal to you, then you're gonna love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and you're gonna love others too in the same way. Y'all, that's big. That's what it means to be a devoted follower of Christ. That's what it means for us in our relationship with the Lord. That that's what he wants from us. He wants all of us. He doesn't want part of us. He doesn't want the, only the Sunday morning part. He only the Wednesday night part. He wants all of it. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, he wants all of us. The places we go and where we find ourselves, if we're on a team or if we're walking the halls of a classroom or we're hanging out in the parking lot of Chick-fil-A after exit 15, what would it look like for you to just give God all of it? And say, God, I just want to honor you with everything that I am. I want to have fun with my friends in Jesus' name. I don't have to be deceptive. I don't have to lie to my parents to get away with things. What's wrong with just me being me? Loving Jesus the way that I ought to love him. And so here's what I want to do. I want to take I got six points here, right? And I have 10 minutes to do it, all right? We're, we're going to rock right through this. I want to paint a picture for you. It's one thing for me to say, hey, yes, Jesus needs to be a big deal. Rah, 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 going out the door. But it's another thing for me to give you some real practical things. And what does it look like to be a complete Lordship of Christ, only Jesus type of follower? And so here it is. A devoted follower of Jesus, number one, has a godly reputation. 
He is known by his peers for his heart to know the Lord and to walk in obedience to him. That's his reputation. That's what people are saying about you. That you're a godly individual. You don't cuss, you don't smoke, you don't drink, and you don't hang out with people who do. That's old school phrase too. You know what? You don't get a godly reputation easily. It doesn't happen overnight. Oh, the transformation in your heart can, for sure. But for that to manifest itself in your daily walk and trying to change your reputation for all these years of living in a sinful past, it takes a long time to develop that godly reputation. The phrase that comes out of you a lot of times as you choose to walk in obedience to him is, oh, that's old Steve. That's the old me. I'm, I'm doing things differently now. And the more you talk about that, the more you talk about who Jesus is, the more your reputation begins to change. I remember this. When I was in high school, I, was, I had surrendered completely to the Lord when I was a sophomore. But my junior year, into my junior year, beginning of my senior year, a buddy of mine that I knew, old Steve knew, his name was Brad, Brad O'Kelly. I remember him. Brad loved hosting his parties. Oh, it was big. Back in those days before cell phones, back in those days, they would pass out flyers, right? Instead of sending text messages, this is what they would do. They would, he would write up all the details, when, where, how, and what to bring, right? And he would Xerox those things, right? And uh, he actually did it on the school copier. I don't know how he did it, but he did. But he brought his flyers to class, and he would walk up and down before class. He would walk up and down the aisles in our class, and, hey, I want you to come to my party. Hey, I'd love for you to come to my party. All the details are there, man. It's going to be awesome. You need to come. That was an 80s word, awesome. And so, that, awesome, that's what you want. I want you to come. I want you to come. This is no joke. He gets to my desk. I'm sitting there, and he gets to my desk, and he holds that paper right over the top of my desk, and he goes, yeah, I know you're not going to come. And he keeps on walking. And I'm like, crushed. Am I... Am I not worthy to be invited? You know, like, I want to at least invite me. Yes, I'm not going to come, but man, I'll just, you know, it's the whole acceptance thing, right? Uh, like, I just want to be accepted. I just want to be wanted. Those kind of things. Ah. But then I began to realize, I began to process that after it was all over, going, the reason why he's not is because he knows that Jesus is in me. And he knows that I'm not going to go because that's not what Jesus would want of me. I had started a reputation of godliness the summer of my sophomore year. It took a long time of me saying no to a lot of temptations and a lot of old friends and saying no to a lot of those things for that reputation to begin to change. It's not easy. I'm not going to lie to you. But it can be done. But it takes consistency and it takes a drive of your heart and your mind and your soul and all your strength to do it. 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 10 says this, but have nothing to do with worldly fables, fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, for bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. For it is with this we labor and strive because, I love this phrase, we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. Y'all, 
The hope of tomorrow is in Jesus' hands, not yours. What God wants to do in you right now is to mold you into a godly woman. He wants to mold you into a godly man. And he's going to do that by removing your pride. I'm getting ahead of myself. And removing the sinful habits. He's going to do those things. But you got to allow him to do it. Every morning, you got to get in the Word. Every morning, you got to bow your head in prayer. you got to find a disciple or somebody who's going to pour into you, a life group leader, a godly friend, and allow God to change you from the inside out. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's keep going. Number two, I got, oh gosh, a devoted follower loves everyone. Loves everyone. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter what skin color, what ethnicity they are. It doesn't matter. A devoted follower of Christ is going to love well, no matter who they are or where they come from. You're filled with compassion. You love them with the love of Christ. You think about their eternity. You think about who they are and how, what would their life be like if they were focused fully on Jesus? What would it look like if I encouraged them with affirmation, words of affirmation? What if I wrote an encouraging note to them or sent a text that was meaningful instead of one I would just delete? Like, what would it look like if we really loved everyone the way the Lord would want us to? John 13 tells us this, John 13, 34 says, I'm giving you a new commandment that if you love one another, just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. How are they going to know that you're my disciple? By loving other people. When you love them with the love of Christ, they're going to know that you are a follower of Jesus. Enough said. Agreed? Amen? All right, let's go on. Number three, a devoted follower makes the sacrifice of pride daily. It's the two feet on the floor moment. You've heard me talk about it, and I'm going to keep talking about it. That's where your day starts. When you roll out of bed and you put two feet on the floor, you make a decision in that moment. What are you going to do? What are the intentions of your day? Where does it start? Does it start making a name for yourself, or does it start by making a name for Christ? When you roll out of bed, you put two feet on the floor, what does it look like? I'm a zombie. Uh, not enough sleep. Uh. But man, what would it look like for you to get up and say, you know what, today is going to be the Lord's day. One, God, thank you so much for putting oxygen in my lungs. And then it is an all-out sprint to God's word. It is an all-out sprint that from the time I get out of bed, I'm, I want to get in God's word because that's where I find my hope for the rest of the day. That's where I find my strength for the rest of the day. That's where I connect with God for the rest of the day. It starts when I start headed toward the word. I want to challenge you. If you do your quiet time in the, more, in, at, in the evening, I pray it keeps on being fruitful, but I want to challenge you, start your day there. What it will look like for you to start there? And I think your day might be a little bit different. Instead of looking back on regrets, you start your day by looking out for hopes, for what Jesus would want to do. Uh, next week, you're going to hear a lot about this at the junior lead night. And so, uh, but I want to mention the verse. 
Here, uh, James 4, 10, it says, humble yourself in the presence of the Lord and he, he, God, will exalt you. Don't humble yourself for your own name. Humble yourself for the name of Jesus to be exalted in your life. That's a devoted follower. Number four, a devoted follower talks about Jesus. It comes out of your mouth. It's not something that, that you know you just do, but it's something you say. You speak his name. You go through the course of your day and you say his name. There's power in the name of Jesus. What would it look like for you to speak his name? To encourage a friend. A devoted follower, evangelism comes easy because your heart is full of compassion. You just love the people around you. You want them to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. You want your friends to know who Jesus is. And you want them to have an eternity with him. You're moved with compassion for the lost. And you love to lead others. A devoted follower loves to lead others in discipleship. Not only does you want to share the good news of the gospel, but you want to teach them about that too. The things that you're learning, are you passing that along? Are you holding it to yourself? Matthew 28 is that, yes, it is the great commandment. And it's one that all of us know, but sometimes we think this commandment, this greatest commandment, all that's for the adults. All this greatest commandment, all that's for the missionaries. Oh, that's for the preachers, those guys. No, the great commandment is for you. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you, you, all 208 of you. And this is what it says. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to leave it. Many of you have grown up in the church, but you have not said one thing or taught anyone else what you know already. There are so many people and so many of your friends that are in this student ministry, and you have grown up in the church. You've probably been in more discipleship groups than you have been fellowships. Like you've gone to all these groups and you've learned all of these things, but you're keeping it to yourself. I want to challenge you, lovingly challenge you, that what would it look like for you to get a group of your friends together and create a discipleship group? You can do it. You're like, Steve, I don't know what to do. Start in John chapter 1 and just walk through one chapter of meeting and just see what happens, right? Use God's word because that's what God's word does, right? For teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Training in righteousness. That's you and I. You can do it. I hope that inspires one of you. Here we go. Number five, a devoted follower believes God's word to be foundational for their faith. Foundational to their faith. We talked about this, what, two weeks ago? I think it was two weeks ago. where We talked about how a, a, a follower of Christ, completely surrendered to the lordship of Christ, uses God's word as a foundation. Psalm 42, 1 and 2 says this, As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Question mark. I said it earlier, and I want to challenge you again. What would it look like, two feet on the floor, to take a breath in, thank the Lord, and head straight to the Word? Maybe brush your teeth along the way. You know, Jesus doesn't want to see your halitosis. Like, go ahead, get on there. 
but head straight to the Word. Spend some time in the Word before you head out the door to school or wherever you're going. Number six, a devoted follower. I love this one. Caleb, you're gonna love this one too. Worships no other gods, but rather lives to praise the king. (laughs) Come on, sister. (laughs) Worships no other little g gods. That's not about you. That's not who you are. Maybe that little g god is you. Maybe you've made it all about you. You're putting the crown on your own head every single day. It's not what Jesus asks of us, especially when he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. He didn't say love yourself. Love him. Deuteronomy 4, 23 through 20. I'm preaching right now. Good night. Deuteronomy chapter 4. This one's... (laughs) So be careful yourselves that you do not forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make for yourself a carved image in the form of anything against which the Lord your God has commanded you. Get this one. Here it is. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Oh yeah, you better believe when you start putting yourself on the throne of your life and not him, he will get jealous. Y'all, I mean, we've been talking about this, what, week six now? Of surrendering completely to the Lordship of Christ. And I pray that many of you are starting to hear the words and you're starting to respond and you're starting to just go, yes, I need to make Jesus a big deal. It's got to start now, y'all. Don't wait for tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. But right here, right now, what would it look like for you to spend some time with the Lord and say, Lord, no more games. No more me. I really want to make it about you. So Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Oh Lord, my God, allow him to direct your path. Jeremiah 29, 11. Oh gosh, y'all, come on. Hebrews 12, 2. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him, Endured the cross, scorning his shame, is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Y'all, that's what it's about. That's what a devoted follower of Christ is and should be. One of my favorite passages is Isaiah 26, 8 and 9. And it's a prayer. Yes, Lord. How many of us could say that? Yes, Lord. Walking in the way of your laws. We wait for you, your name, Jesus, and your renown, your fame are the desires of our souls. (laughs) My soul yearns for you in the night, in the morning. My spirit longs for you. When your judgments come upon the earth, the people of the world will learn righteousness. Yes, Lord. May that be the start of your day every day. Yes, Lord. My heart, my soul, and my strength are all for you. I'm going to end with a quote from a theologian, Charles Spurgeon. How many of y'all read a Spurgeon book before? I mean, you talk about every other line highlight. This is one I want to share with you. You owe your open confession of allegiance to Jesus Christ 
to know uh, to one another, and especially to yourself. It is due to your spiritual maturity that if the Lord has done anything for you, you should gratefully acknowledge it. You are also obligated because of your love for others, and the love of others is the very essence of Christianity, that you should plainly declare that you are on the Lord's side. Y'all, that's good stuff. That pretty much sums up the whole talk, doesn't it? Is the allegiance of your heart and your life to Christ, or is your allegiance somewhere else? Jesus summed up the greatest commandment. Jesus summed up this whole thing, greatest commandment, that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. That is what a devoted follower of Christ who makes their life only about Jesus. And that's the challenge that I give you tonight. 